You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 508 of this podcast. And this episode... We are going to be talking about normalcy. Today is December 2nd, 2022. It's a Friday. We are now coming down the home stretch, very end of the year, and there's not much time left before we are into 2023. That's hard to believe. It's been a very quick year, it seems like, when I talk with people. Maybe it's just a generational thing. Or an age-related thing, the older you get, it seems like time fa- time goes faster, time is faster, uh, or we experience it faster, or we're just busier, I don't know. But in any event, I keep hearing from people that this year feels like it's gone by a lot quicker than even the past couple of years. The past couple of years maybe were harder in their own way, and so... They went by slower. It's like the inverse of the principle of time flies when you're having fun. Maybe we weren't all having just a blast this past year trying to pick up the pieces and uh, figure out, you know, what is the new normal, right? That was a phrase that was used early on in 2020 with lockdowns and shutdowns and mask mandates and social distancing and people getting, you know, reported for being at the park with their families and just crazy things like that. We kept hearing this phrase, new normal. Well, nobody was buying any definition at all, right? No matter what the definition was going to be, nobody was buying any definition of the new normal in the thick of the transition. Uh, 2020, we're in the thick of it. 2021, we're in the thick of it. 2022 seems as though it's felt uh, like more of a leveling off, right? It's not as though things have gone back to the old normal. And maybe we're not even quite yet in what was uh, going to be the new normal. Maybe not. But 2022 seemed as though, in my experience, from my observation, from talking with people that I've known and uh, interacted with, Seemed like it was a little bit calmer, right? A little bit more um, stable, right? 2021, 2020, there was just no idea what might happen next. Lots of disruption, lots of uncertainty. 2022, it seems like a little bit more, all right, this is what it's going to be, maybe, but we'll see, (laughs) right? But what I want to talk about very, very specifically in this episode is normalcy in general as an idea, as something to shoot for, as something to measure behavior or opinions against what is normal? What do do we mean by using this word normal? Have we ever stopped really to think about it and to define for one uh, what it is objectively And then also for two, whether that really should be our chief goal or should it be a goal? Should it be our chief goal? And how do we balance 
trying to be normal or wanting normalization of circumstances, situations, relationships with other things that we might also pursue. Now, before I get into that, a couple of items in the news because it's been a few days. It's, you know, as I have been trying to prepare everybody and explain with regards to my new normal, I have a new job. I have a new routine. I have a new work scope as a controls programmer. I have people out in the field that are expecting me to come out and actually help them and work with them on site at a certain time. And so I'm somewhat constrained in when I can podcast early in the morning. There's only so early that it is feasible for getting up and recording a podcast. And then if you're coming up against a hard time that you need to leave in order to be on site by a certain time, well, then maybe sometimes if you're me, you just don't record a podcast. You say, okay, well, we'll, we'll get to that later. If there's a backlog, there's a backlog. And then I'll have to prioritize what I want to talk about when I have a chance, maybe on the weekend or maybe on a slower day, or maybe if I get home early, things like that. But all the same, I want to talk about just a few items that are current events. This will be a shorter podcast. And, uh, and then hopefully too, also tomorrow being Saturday, knock on wood from my lips to God's ears, we'll be recording another podcast in the morning and um, maybe two. Last last weekend, I actually recorded two back-to-back on Saturday because I had the time and I really hadn't podcasted a whole lot uh, the previous week and in recent weeks. And so maybe I'll try for two tomorrow. We'll see. But that's kind of my new normal, right? For better or worse, or at least early on at this point in this transitional period that I'm in, having just started the new job not that terribly long ago, I guess we're coming up on two months ago at this point. This is what it looks like it's going to be, and we'll see. Right? We'll, we'll see. It might change into something else as we go along, but this is my new normal, and therefore, I might not be podcasting quite as often, and it might be different, right? What I prioritize, wanting to talk about especially more or get into in greater depth or just touch on briefly is probably going to change based on not being able to podcast as often. You've got to prioritize more. When you have less time, you have to think more carefully about what you're going to put into that time, what you're going to get accomplished. What do I need to say, for instance? What do I need to talk about versus what maybe could just be uh, skipped for now? And we'll, we'll kick that can down the road until there's more to say about it or, or what have you. But a few items from this week, big items. One, Elon Musk, it was discussed, it was proposed, uh, might have to create his own smartphone. <laughs> like that kind of a big deal, major disruptor. Uh, if that were to take place, he could do it. He has the technical wherewithal. He has the connections he's got. A lot of smart people who would love to come work with him and for him on that kind of a project, I'm sure. But all of that was kind of in the uh, discussion, in the conversation around Twitter this week, as it was suggested that Apple might remove Twitter from their app store. And now it looks like that might not be the case or that won't be the case because Elon Musk sat down with Apple CEO Tim Cook 
and had a private conversation. Yeah. Basically the official narrative coming out of that was, Oh, it was just a misunderstanding from some of Tim Cook's people, or it was just a rumor that they were considering pulling Twitter off of their app store. You know, do you need to meet with Tim Cook in order to have that conversation? If it's just a rumor or was there some kind of a arrangement or a very stern heart to heart, face to face, man to man kind of conversation there? I lean towards the latter and, and if, a few people agree with me who I've been listening to this week that that is probably how that went. That is probably what actually happened. It was not just a, oh, I never said that. No, we're good. They met face to face. They probably had a little bit of negotiation, a little bit of posturing back and forth. And then Tim Cook backed off. And there were probably some concessions on Musk's part, things that he agreed to or said, yeah, you know, that's fine. And we don't know what those things are. And we might not know for some time yeah, if indeed that is the case. But one concerning thing, a very concerning thing, is with regards to COVID lockdowns in China, there's a zero COVID policy that's been rolled out that is very repressive. It's very harsh. It's very authoritarian and uh, totalitarian, really. I mean, everything that the Chinese Communist Party does in China is that way. Even if it's soft, even if it's a sleeping tiger, it's still a tiger, right? Even if there's a soft kind of coercion that in the modern era or in recent years and decades, they've more and more preferred, a sleeping tiger is still a tiger. And if you've seen that same tiger go after people in a really brutal way, just tear them to pieces when they got in the way, or when the tiger was hungry, or what have you. Well, you don't forget it, even if you're just looking at this tiger lounging under a tree, sunning itself, taking a nap. And it would seem as though that is uh, that that is the circumstance in China right now with regards to zero COVID policy. There was a situation with a building, an apartment building, where there were some positive cases of COVID, and the police came along. Uh, as I understand it, and welded the doors of the apartment complex uh, shut to where the people inside could not get out. That basically is about as severe and extreme a quarantine as you could have uh, without just taking people out to a desert island and dropping them off. A fire broke out in the building, and the folks, that there were 10 of them who were in this apartment building, couldn't get out, and they died. And that was men, women, children. They died. And that has been the catalyst for protests across China, uh, unusually open and blunt criticism of Xi Jinping and the government of China. Very, 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 very upset people in China look at kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, with this apartment building going up in smoke. And so they're protesting. Well, they're protesting. And in the modern era, one of the ways you would like to protest, if you are living under an authoritarian regime, a repressive communistic regime, one of the ways you'd like to protest is by going online. And especially now that we realize there is this 
perception that the wider world might have of your country and the government of your country, and you might be able to share images, photographs, video, audio, stories with the wider world. That's going to increase awareness, which then will lead to pressure being exerted on your government by the governments of other countries or the United Nations. Well, then, you what do you want to do if you're a Chinese person, you're a Chinese man, Chinese woman with an internet connection. What do you want to do? You want to go online and raise awareness and maybe post videos and photographs and stories, but you can't, right? That's not allowed for the same reasons that you would want to do it. It's also not going to be permitted by that same government. They don't, for the same reason you want that information to get out and for the same reasons it might be, uh, you know, on the nose, that the wider world should want to know that this is happening for those exact same reasons that repressive authoritarian regime doesn't want those stories getting out and getting into the eyeballs and ear holes of uh, people around the world, governments around the world. So the Chinese Communist Party, it would appear, flooded, for instance, Twitter with uh, a whole lot of noise. Basically, it was, it was almost like a, a DDoS attack, a, a denial of service, direct denial of service, flooding the website with advertisements promoting gambling and pornography and all manner of craziness and, and only targeting certain key words that would otherwise have people looking for images and photos and, and uh, videos and stories of the protests going on in China. You go looking for something that would bring accountability. Uh, here's what you get instead, a whole bunch of garbage, a whole bunch of noise, essentially. It's like jamming radar or, or what have you. You're jamming the communications, but at a very high level, right? So that's happening. Uh, also, too, there are concerns that Apple is participating in the censorship of Chinese citizens who want to protest their government. And that there is a little bit of a uh, agreement that's been made between Apple, a lot of big tech companies, but Apple in this case, and the Chinese Communist Party, that we will help you with your uh, domestic you know, unrest issues with keeping your people in subjection and under control. We will help you with that in exchange for having access to your market. Right, that that at a bare minimum is a factor in the consideration of how much these big tech companies are prepared to say or do, and by contrast, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have seemingly uh, one one opposition person in Elon Musk saying, "I'm going to buy Twitter, a big social media property online, major major." social media platform. I'm going to buy Twitter. I'm going to make it a place where people can speak freely and discuss ideas and critique ideas and debate and cross-examine and express their own opinions and sentiments and beliefs and convictions. I'm going to do that. Now, for years, big tech companies like Apple, like Google, have been walking some very fine lines with the Chinese Communist Party and other repressive regimes 
allowing them to use these technologies or have access to the control levers of these technologies in exchange for those big tech companies having access to those markets and being able to make money or advance their agenda. Probably both end. At least there's a financial interest, but also too, there might be an ideological component here. But that was, mm, okay, that's just business. For some reason, there's a qualitatively different aspect to Musk buying Twitter and saying, I'm for free speech. I want this to be a free speech platform. And oh, by the way, Twitter has interfered in elections. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about what the internal dialogue was like over Hunter Biden's laptop in the 2020 election, because that very much was election interference here in the U.S. I'm sure that's not the full extent of it, but there very much was election interference here in the U.S. with the suppression of that story, which now, two years later, increasingly major news outlets like CBS are saying, no, it checks out. Looks like that's a real laptop. That looks like that is actually a legit piece of evidence and like a mountain of evidence, a a ridiculous amount of evidence that something untoward is going on with Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, and the Biden family generally basically taking bribes on behalf of Joe Biden in exchange for Joe Biden as a U.S. government official, as now president, former vice president, former senator, uh, his help, his contribution. He can give them the inside track on what they should do to skirt regulations or to avoid you know, being on the wrong side of a uh, policy decision or funding or military operation, you know, that essentially what, if that's true, if that's what he did was he paid them back and, you know, they, these foreign governments, rivals, enemies of the United States gave money to his family. He got his cut 10% for the big guy. And then he fed them information or quote unquote advice counsel. Um, that's, that's kind of, um, that being a foreign agent, right? That's kind of treason and traitorous and treacherous. And, uh, that's, that's kind of, uh, illegal, right? And immoral and wicked. Am I wrong? I think, I think I'm not wrong. I think that's how that all would, uh, lead a reasonable person to come to conclusions. Um, Musk, Musk, saying we're going to open the books and share what happened there to rebuild trust in Twitter as a platform, as a fair and even-handed influence on the public discourse, on the flow of information online. That seems to be far more upsetting and disturbing to folks on the left and in the corporate media that's, that seems to be very much more concerning that he would say, I'm for free speech. I'm for transparency. Let's take a look at what Twitter's been doing and let's do it very, very differently moving forward. That's very much more concerning to Democrats than is what Apple is doing with regards to China. And I, I think, I think for our part, I think for our part, we should be considering that reality 
in a very sober-minded way, in a very circumspect way. And again, this feeds right back into the question of normalcy and what is normal. And is normal really the goal? Should we be shooting for normal or should we aim higher? Or if normal is an okay goal, is that a goal that we want to pursue alongside other equally important or more important goals, if you will? I mean, there's no question. It's become normal for us to see information suppressed online from big tech, by big tech. It's become normal for us to see little misinformation writers. This post is missing context, or this post has been flagged for offensive adult content, even if it's just you know somebody sharing a meme that a Democrat, a person on the left, a progressive took offense to, they flag it, and then all of a sudden, oh, wow, why, why is my post blurred? Like, it's explicit violent content or sexual content. It's not. And yet, on the flip side, some really crazy stuff does get routinely put out there by folks who are uh, politically of the left or who are supportive of this narrative uh, or who can be supported as a way of advancing this narrative. Things are put online all the time routinely that are not safe per se, that are not appropriate per se, and yet they're allowed to stay up because it's political, right? It's political and it's philosophical. And even if that becomes normal, here's what I'm really getting at. Even if that becomes normal, that doesn't mean that it is right. And yes, there are principled questions and there are prudential questions that we should be asking as far as what do we do when we find that the the normal so-called is a bad state <laughs> you know there, there are more things to consider than just is this good or bad yeah you know, there's there's a lot that one could devote their time and attention to understanding and correcting but we're finite creatures we only have so much time and energy we also have to ask the question of what does God want me to be uh, investing myself in? Where Where is a wise investment of my time and attention? And, and where can I accomplish the most good or honor God best or have the most profitable outcome? All things considered, you know, those, those come into play. But my big interest here is encouraging us to not suppose that something being normal means that we should accept it. So if a bad thing is normalized, even if we can't stop it, even if we can't put an end to that, even if we can't single-handedly convince everybody that this normal state is good uh, or bad, objectively, there's still a a need in order for us to do what's right, Just even just privately, even just on a personal level, in order for us to believe what is true to say what is true, to do what is right, to refrain from participating in uh, the, the the dysfunction, fueling it, we need to recognize that not everything that's normal is good or appropriate or acceptable or something to be embraced. Also, speaking of, and and we'll get into more the term normal and what to do with it here in just a moment. But speaking of Twitter, uh, two things. One, I 
have not had my account reinstated. I was thinking maybe this week, maybe this week it'll get reinstated because there was a blanket amnesty that was voted on by Twitter users. Uh, Elon Musk uh, conducted a poll. Hey, should we provide blanket amnesty for people who've had their Twitter accounts removed? Let them back on if they were removed for you know frivolous, trivial reasons. And the results were, yes, we should. And so there were reports that that was going to happen this week. I think Musk said that was going to happen this week. Maybe it's been happening. Maybe it is happening. It hasn't happened for me just yet. And I don't know. Maybe it's perceived uh, that my offending tweet from back in March uh, – you know, maybe it it's of a kind or nature that is not going to be allowed, you know, on Twitter in the new Twitter. I don't know. Maybe there's just so many accounts that have been suspended indefinitely that you know it's like a needle in a haystack. Little old little old Garrett Mullet's uh, account is <laughs> not going to be noticed uh, for some time. It's not as simple as just you know. Ah, okay, everybody who's just Spended, you're back on, you know. But that's the first thing, right? I said to Chris Jolly Hale, what a retarded thing to say, because he said that Marsha Blackburn should be removed for asking Katanji Brown Jackson what a woman is. Uh, I got suspended. It was supposed to be a 12-hour suspension. You know the story. I appealed it. The appeal was immediately denied. The reasons stated, by the way, were completely like unrelated. Even if there were some community standard that I had violated, they didn't cite it in any kind of a relevant way. The thing that my tweet was flagged for was supposedly I was, uh, what was it, participating or facilitating the buying, selling, or distribution of illegal goods or services or something like that. (laughs) It's like, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. That makes zero sense in relation to what I tweeted. You might think what I tweeted was mean, unkind, harsh, rude, obnoxious. And maybe it was. I I don't think it was, but maybe it was. What was I buying, selling, or facilitating the transfer of with regards to contraband? (laughs) Like I'm not selling drugs. I was like, what a retarded thing. It's not code for come by my... um, you know, rocket launcher illegally and don't tell the ATF. Like it was just silly, right? It was just silly, but I appealed it immediately was uh, told by Twitter's email service that my appeal had been reviewed and I was still banned. And so I appealed again. And that, that appeal is what has just been stuck for how many months now, since March, March to December now, nine months. That appeal has just been stuck, and I've left it. I could cancel my appeal, and I'm reminded of that every time I try to follow a link to Twitter on my computer or my smartphone. It reminds me. It shows me my offending tweet from March and says, you can cancel your appeal, and I just close the tab. I say, no, I'm not going to cancel my appeal. Twitter is not that important to me. I have plenty of life to live outside of desperately wanting to get back on Twitter, and also, by the way, the longer it hangs out there without them just ad- you know, addressing, answering, dealing with my appeal, my very legitimate, very clearly worded, very simple and succinct appeal. Hey, what was my offense? The longer it hangs out there, 
the more it just serves to underline the point that Twitter is and has been part of this repressive uh, totalitarian regime online. Even if it's a sleeping tiger right now, a sleeping tiger is still a tiger. And at a certain point, if the tiger decides doesn't like you, you're getting on its nerves, it's hungry, that's when you have to be very concerned. But if you're only concerned at that point, well, you've waited too long and you're probably lunch. Sorry. So I want to make that point. And, uh, you know, if if they reverse the decision and they let me back on Twitter, that's fine. That's I won't be upset. Like, I won't complain like, oh, shoot, you know, now I don't have anything to complain about. No, I'm sure I'll still find things to complain about. <laughs> but but also, uh, you know, that that'll be fine. Like, that would be great. Another good another good option here. Great option, actually, would be if. These outlets that come from the United States of America, they were born and bred here. If they actually do start applying sound principles, uh, American values and ideals that are more traditional and conservative about free speech and the public discourse, if they do start governing themselves according to those, again, that would be really, really great. And I think that would be great for the world. I think that would be great for us here in the United States. But Kanye West, I mean, let's talk just briefly about Kanye West. He's been kicked off of Twitter again for expressing increasingly anti-Jewish pro-Nazi sentiments. Something is just really, really off with him. And for some reason, he is palling around with this guy, Nick Fuentes. I don't really know much about Nick Fuentes, but the guy gives me the creeps like Maybe just maybe uh, somebody just grabbed Kanye and maybe he's on drugs. Maybe he's a crazy person. He's just had a complete nervous breakdown. Maybe he's just fed up and this is just an extended rage session that he uh, has decided he doesn't care at all about any standard. And he's just latching on to some radical, crazy person like Nick Fuentes, who I I keep hearing and reading, even from outlets that I uh, consider you know very conservative, very level-headed, not prone to engage in the kind of race baiting, everybody's a racist, if I don't like them kind of thing. You know, even the Daily Wire and the Blaze and such like that and, and um, not the B, even those outlets are like, no, this Nick Fuentes guy, like, he – he is, he is a white supremacist, right? Like they do exist. There are racists. This guy's one of them. And for some reason, he's everywhere that uh, Kanye West is. And so it's like, you know, Candace Owens has talked about some very, very strange goings on, some very strange things you can find in the archives about our government uh, here in the United States with regards to MK Ultra, with regards to uh, Project uh, Operation uh, Mockingbird, you know, there's some really, really crazy stuff that our government has been involved in that our CIA and FBI have been involved in that rumor has it basically amounts to, uh, you know, a drug fueled psychology empowered, uh, mind control of celebrities as a way of controlling narratives and controlling public perception and, by extension, controlling the world, really. 
There is a rumor, and, and Candace Owens, I was shocked that she got into this on her program over the Daily Wire. So I'm just like, man, like, I, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And I've, <laughs> I've looked into this. And like, I have the same questions, but I didn't expect the Daily Wire to, uh, you know, be a place where these things might be talked about or, or brought up. I'm glad she did. I'm glad she did talk about it and bring it up because, I mean, it's, it, it might not be everything that all the people who are concerned about, you know, may may possibly suspect or think or say, but it, it, there is something, right? There's <laughs> there's something that's on the official record and the official narrative is actually yes, our, our CIA did try to do these things, did did experiment with LSD and uh, you know very very hard hallucinogenic psychotropic drugs and and brainwashing. And mind control. They they were trying to figure out how to do it, and they had maybe some success. And then also look at all of these Hollywood celebrities, all these child actors and musicians and pop stars and such like that, who again and again and again and again have these uh, drug problems, overdoses, uh, mental breakdowns. Is that the nature of their fame, and and that's just what it is. Or is that possibly a sign that a lot of these celebrities, they're given these drugs, given these drugs, given these drugs, like it's a farm, like like these are so many cattle on the dairy who are being given hormones and antibiotics, and you just chalk everybody full of these things because that keeps the supposedly bad stuff out, maximizes the good stuff that you want, makes it as profitable as it possibly can be, only instead of cows at the dairy. This is people. Um, is that a possibility? It Well, let me ask it a different way. Are there people who would do that if they could do that? Do we know the answer to that question? Is that within the capacity of man, depraved, apart from God, sinful, to, to rationalize or else even just actively enjoy doing that to his fellow man, is it is it possible that that could be something that has happened or no? I would say I read my Bible. I don't see a limit except for absolute self-destruction, um, you know, and, and that goes for cultures, that goes for people as well. As Augustine says, evil is just a diminution of the good. If something becomes totally evil, it destroys itself. So, so long as something is more and more and more evil, it's less and less and less and less good because evil's not a self-existent thing that just, you know, it, it was created by Satan, right? That That's not how that goes. That God created all the good things, Satan created all the bad things, and now we just duke it out. We've got to, you know, always be looking for the evil things amidst the good. No, it's everything that God made was good and then sin breaks it and uses it for a bad purpose or in the wrong context or in the wrong way or for the wrong reasons or at the wrong time. With regards to some of these ambitions, they don't have to be pure evil to be evil, to be corrupt, to be bad, to be things we ought to point out and repent of if we're the ones doing them or call others to repentance of if others are doing those things. But regardless, regardless of all that, or maybe taking all of that in a different direction with regards to Kanye West. He's making some crazy comments about Jews and 
and actually also about uh, Hitler and the Nazis in two interviews that he did this past week. One, he went on Alex Jones's show and wore a black uh, full face mask, ski mask the entire time and then did some crazy thing where he pulled out a net and a yoo uh, you know, like the chocolate drink that comes in a bottle, Net and Yuhu to talk about Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And then he did some weird, like, falsetto voice, like he was impersonating Benjamin Netanyahu. And it was just, it was, it was crazy town. And you've got Alex Jones sitting in the middle making these faces, like, what in the world? Like, what's going on? And then you've got Nick Fuentes laughing like this is all very funny sitting on the other side of Alex Jones. And I don't I don't trust Alex Jones. I've said that before. I'm just going to say it again. I don't trust him. A uh, long long time ago, someone proposed a theory as to what this what the situation is with Alex Jones. It makes a lot of sense to me. I I've just I have latched onto it and thought it, it might be actually legit ever since. I can't quite shake it that that Alex Jones is every bit as much uh, a plant of the establishment and corporate media types. He's every bit as much a plant as, let's say, Don Lemon, for instance, or the ladies over at The View. Every bit as much a puppet of this larger narrative that is being peddled on us. He's just like antimatter, right? He's the antimatter version. He's the foil. He's he's still playing his part. It's still an act. Uh, it's still disingenuous. But what his role is to say true things in a way that makes them sound crazy, right? But but he's the positive version of it. So your other media outlets that are more mainstream, they'll say the crazy thing, but then they'll mock it quickly. And you know that they're against it. You know that they're all against it. And that's supposed to have a utility. In the Alex Jones's case, <laughs> he says the crazy thing with a little extra oomph and p- associates it with some crazy antics in such a way that you're supposed to say, ah, yeah, okay. So if that's the spokesperson for that point of view, well, then no, right? Then no. Maybe, just maybe, that's irrelevant. I don't know. Something's wrong there. Whether it's just a shtick, that could be too. It's a shtick that has just gone way too far because it works. Uh, whether it's a shtick, whether he's controlled opposition, I don't know. I can't say for sure. But super weird, super weird to have Kanye West, Nick Fuentes, Alex Jones sitting there together. And any way you slice it, something's wrong, right? Some, something is wrong, whether it's mental illness, whether it's a mental break, nervous breakdown, whether this is you know bad drugs that are being slipped into the mix and then uh, somebody who wants to destroy a celebrity that, you know, escaped, um, you know, broke away from the holding pen and started saying his own thing, doing his own thing. Now you got to destroy him publicly, as publicly as possible to invalidate everything else that he was saying before, you know, make him go on some kind of an anti-Semitic rant by the power of suggestion. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But. Now he's off Twitter. You know, he storms off of Tim Pool's podcast, goes on Alex Jones's and says some crazy things. Now he's off of Twitter. 
supposedly he was posting a picture of a swastika. And then to Alex Jones, Alex Jones was like, yeah, people are talking about you like you're Hitler and, and a Nazi. And you're not a Nazi. You're not Hitler. And Kanye West is like, you know what? I can see the good in all people, especially Hitler. And it's like, whoa, wow. Hey, guy, what are you saying? Like, you can't, you can't, you can't really think that that is legit, right? Um, and and again, every step of the way, you got this Nick Fuentes character. Who is this guy? Why why is he always your tag along, uh, laughing, enjoying? Like this is all good. Like it's great. He's off Twitter, and <clears throat> clearly he needs help. Kanye West clearly needs help of one kind or another or several kinds. And he's had a a really bad time of it between his wife, between the media, between uh, just, I mean, in just in general, he's had some really bad stuff going on. And and also he's been compromised. I mean, if he's the captain of his own ship, he has compromised himself by being involved in participating in the things that he has, Uh, saying the things that he has in his music and outside of music for years and years. Like there's a lot of corruption there that compromised him long ago or was part of the compromise. I don't know. I don't know. Now he's off Twitter and you can be sure that there are people who want to say, aha, see, here's what we were trying to tell you. Now, won't you admit that the normal of big tech suppressing opinions, public discourse, debate, protest even of authoritarian regimes that lock men, women, and children in apartment complexes and weld the doors shut, won't let them out even if there's a fire. You know, see, see, that that normal of repressing people from saying mean, ugly, nasty, offensive, ridiculous, foolish things, that that's what it needed to be, right? Come with us. Let's go back to the way things were, right? Well, okay, can we say a couple of things are true at the same time. One, that what Kanye West is saying is not true. It's not good. These are not sound opinions. These are not views that should be normalized, legitimated. Can we say that that's the case and that he's clearly troubled on the one hand and also on the other hand, maintain that big tech has been contributing to mental illness and depravity and a breakdown of the ability to help people who have bad ideas and who have faulty thinking, faulty reasoning. Can we believe both of those things at the same time? Because here's what I'm saying. I'm saying when you have people with faulty thinking, faulty reasoning, bad ideas, they need to be what, right? Just silenced? Or do we need to be able to have polite, civil discourse talking back and forth and debating. Do we need to not normalize, in other words, just shutting up anybody who is thought to be saying things that are not true, not reasonable? And and also, too, with that, I mean, we talked recently about the Overton window a few episodes ago. The Overton window, I'll remind you, is the range of acceptable positions, opinions, statements, proposals you know, based on public sentiment, if you will, in another word, normal, 
right? What is normal? There's a normal range of potential opinions. That's the Overton window. If the Overton window is so narrow that everybody can only think one thing, can only say one thing, well then what if that one thing is wrong and there's no capacity for cross-examining, second-guessing, questioning? You know, Proverbs says that the first status case seems correct until the other comes and examines him. Some people take that to mean that Oh, we just don't believe anybody about anything ever because there always might be another person who comes and cross-examines the last guy, right? You could just have an endless queue of people cross-examining the previous guy and the previous guy and the previous guy. At some some point, you've got to get off the fence and make a decision. You can't just, you know, camp out in, well, I don't know, you know, live your truth. Everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Let's agree to disagree. But, but if everything is fact-checked according to the progressive narrative, according to critical theory, gender theory, secularism, globalism, if everything is normalized and standardized and homogenized to that, what if that's wrong? And now we're all just stuck in it, right? If Kanye West is wrong, how does he get the help that he needs also too with regards to big tech? If big tech is fundamentally faulty in its premises and then enforcing rigid conformity to some premises that are very faulty, well, here's the big question. Will you get more Kanye Wests or fewer Kanye Wests so long as big tech is saying, all right, you're out. You're out entirely because you dead named somebody, for instance. We'll just give that as an example because that's a that's an actual real example from this week. I was scrolling through. Oh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Pinterest. I was scrolling through Pinterest, and I clicked on some character art because I I like to have uh, art like fantasy art stored away for if and when at some future point I come back to writing my novel or my series of novels that I I started a long time ago. I just never got back to because the scope of the project was not conducive (laughs) to, you know, raising young kids, working full time, being involved in church, you know, all, all of the things. Maybe one day when I'm retired, I'll get back to this. Well, in the meantime, I read, I research, I ponder. And also too, I'll, I'll store and save concept art for like video games movies, TV shows, uh, you know, fantasy novels. You you have some great artists online who come up with some really fantastical creatures or places or landscapes or what have you. And I've got a board that I'm just kind of accumulating those that I come across that I, I really like for some future day. I can use those as inspiration for my stories. Well, I, I'm looking at this one picture, and it's a you know female character from a uh, video game, very popular, very highly acclaimed video game for the PlayStation Five, Horizon. And the, you know the main character for this game is uh, a chick, and she's very closely patterned. the The art for or the um, uh, you know the, the, the appearance of the character in the game, if you will is very closely patterned off of this one young actress who I think also plays the voice. 
of the character in the game. And it's like super realistic, like motion capture, very, very realistic gestures and movements and mannerisms and facial expressions. Very, very realistic. Well, somebody commented on this picture and they said, who is that? Like, she looks like Ellen Page. Now, if you don't know, Ellen Page, young actress, uh, very big character in the movie Inception. She played the architect who was brought in to help with this big project. Ellen Page doesn't want to be called Ellen Page anymore. Ellen Page wants to be called Elliot Page. Ellen Page, no more. Elliot Page, and also dare not call this person by their old name or with feminine pronouns. Because if you do, well, that's possibly going to drive this person to suicide. That's now regarded as violence. That's now regarded as hateful. That's now regarded as destructive. That's assault. That's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what if that's the entirely wrong approach to dealing with someone feeling like they're the opposite gender, they were born in the wrong body? What if, and and what I mean by what if that's the wrong approach, I mean, what if unpersoning people who would call this actor by their birth name or with feminine pronouns, what if people being unpersoned for dead naming actually means you're going to get more mental illness, more suicide, more strife, more pain, more lawlessness, more heartache, more suffering, human suffering. What what if that's what it means? Also, what if it's all of a piece with a larger problematic worldview? Which that that would be my position. Now, not necessarily always only that it's all conspiracy, but it is to say there's a common narrative. There's a common way of seeing the world and ourselves and believing about God that is highly problematic, is faulty, is untrue, is corrupt, is destructive. And if only those who share that worldview, which I've just told you what I think of, if only they are really allowed a free reign online to do business, to communicate, to articulate ideas, to cross-examine, to question, to propose solutions, to market products, to offer their services, to get paid, to buy and sell and trade. Where do we find ourselves? Right? Where 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 exactly <laughs> do we find ourselves in that case? Well, I'm coming up against a heartbreak and needing to leave, needing to go. But just briefly, this word normal, let's define it, shall we? According to Oxford Languages, which is the rebranding of the Oxford Dictionary online, normal adjective, one, conforming to a standard, usual, typical, or expected, two, technical, of a line, ray, or other linear feature intersecting a given line or surface at right angles, medicine, of a salt solution containing the same salt concentration as the blood. There's also a dated chemistry application of this word. Uh, Of a solution containing one gram equivalent of solute per liter, G, 
geology, denoting a fault or faulting in which a relative downward movement occurred in the strata situated on the upper side of the fault plane. Then there's also the noun form of this word. So that those were the adjective forms. Here's the normal uh, noun definitions. One, the usual average or typical state or condition, informal, uh, a person who is conventional or healthy. Two, technical, the line at right angles to a given line or surface. So we'll, we'll just go with the first definition of the noun. The usual average or typical state or condition. Tell me this. What if the new normal is unhealthy? What value then is to be had in measuring against normalcy? What if the new normal is untrue and hostile rather to truth claims that would be exclusive? An exclusive, objective, overhead standard of what is true and what is good that comes from God. The new normal rejects that in the strongest possible terms, is very highly offended by it, and now hates you for articulating it. What if the new normal does not love what is good and does not know truth and doesn't want to know truth and doesn't want you articulating truth? Well, what then? Do you aim for normal in that case, or do you make note of normal and you make some prudential type decisions. You have your principles. You say, okay, insofar as normal will tolerate me doing what I believe is right, saying what I believe is true. Great. Insofar as normal won't tolerate even a whiff of certain good things, certain true statements. Well, then I'm going to have to keep my eyes on normal. I'm going to have to keep my head on a swivel when I'm around normal. I mean, these are things we've got to think about because normalcy or peer pressure, it, it's not a school age children thing only, or you only have to deal with it if you're a child. No, it's a all of life. The people around you will always exert psychological pressure, sometimes for the best. That's why it's important to surround yourself with good company to make friendships with good people who will be a good influence on you. But bad company corrupts good morals. That's also a biblical truth, not just that good company helps you to do what is right, stay on the straight and narrow. Bad company corrupts good morals. But give it some thought. Let me know what you think. Is normal overrated? What should we do in relation to the idea of normal? I've got to run. That's all for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.